It is Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Scott Seiden. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Fireworks to start the MLB divisional round. And we get a new season officially underway. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Houston Astros come from behind and take out the Seattle Mariners 8-7 in spectacular fashion. The Phillies jump out early to defeat the Atlanta Braves. They're 3-0 in the playoffs. And the Yankees and Dodgers both hold serve. What is the Vegas lead? I think it's the baseball playoffs as a whole. AJ, and I guess let's just go in chronological order of what we saw happen yesterday. And the first game of the day was the Philadelphia Phillies, who improved to 3-0 and here in the postseason. They won the first two games of the wildcard series against the Cardinals in St. Louis. And now they travel to Atlanta, and they beat the Braves 7-6. Final score a little closer than the game actually was. Atlanta made it interesting in the ninth. I think you're going to have the theme of, of today, at least in the first two games, was teams who did not get ace outings from their aces. And these are on teams that had been sitting around and waiting and, you know, we're on full rest. Max Freed, the case in this game, just was not sharp at all and got lit up early. Like you said, the Braves make it close with three in the ninth. Mm-hmm. But this was not really a competitive game throughout most of the most of the bat- the matchup. We gave out the over seven on yesterday morning show. And I talked about how both of these teams hit lefties extremely well. Two of the best teams in Major League Baseball against lefties. Phillies jumped out on Max Fried early, and Atlanta, to their credit, loaded the bases against Ranger Suarez multiple times in the early innings, but Suarez was able to get out of jams. He had a big double play to get out of an inning, uh, a strikeout here or there, and really it was his ability to work out of trouble versus Freed's inability to work out of trouble that was the difference in this game is the reason why the Phillies jumped out to an early lead. In the first inning, a bunch of two-out hits, four in a row. The Phillies scored two runs early. Braves get one back in the second. And then before you know it, the Phillies tack on, and it's a 7-1 ball game in the fifth inning. Atlanta scores a couple, gets them back, and then in the ninth inning, a Matt Olson homer made it 7-6. Nick Castellanos made a great diving catch in the ninth inning to kind of seal the deal for the Phillies. Castellanos, by the way, three for three, at the or three of five. He had three hits in this game, three RBIs, and this is a guy that struggled mightily all season long for Philadelphia, came through in the biggest moments for them here in game one. So the Phillies take game one from the Atlanta Braves, And do we now have to look at the Phillies and favor them, AJ, moving on for the remainder of this series? It seems that way. I guess the only concern I would say I have is in a game that they jumped out in front, uh, the fact that Ranger Suarez gave them just over three innings and they burned through several bullpen arms in this game. I think they had a total of seven guys pitch in this game. If it go if it's a long series, 
that's a concern, especially given the Phillies were the team that played two games, or they were the team that played two games to get here while the Braves had just been relaxing. Well, it's all lined up for Philadelphia because you got Zach Wheeler starting here today. And then when the series shifts to Philadelphia on Friday, you'll have Aaron Nola going. So by having Ranger Suarez get them game one in a win, now you have your two aces, you know, your, your ace and your ace A going up against the Braves' lesser pitchers. No disrespect to the Braves' pitchers, but the Phillies right now minus 165. Nah, nah, nah. That's a little disrespectful. <laughs> You're a little out of order yourself. Phillies minus 165 to win this series now. Wow. Yeah. They're underdogs here on Wednesday, and I kind of like them. Okay. With with uh, Zach Wheeler. You mentioned the Aces struggling, and that's exactly what happened with Justin Verlander. Yeah, Justin Verlander hit like he hasn't been hit all season. Mariners jumped on him early, chased him from the game. And it, it, I guess you can look at it two ways. One, that's great for the Mariners. They, they, they showed that they can hit the Astros best. But the downside is you beat up Justin Verlander and you walk away from that game down Oh, one because of this. And Alvarez belts it deep to right field. Instant goodbye. Unbelievable. The Astros a walk-off win. Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer. And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series. That was the call on Sports Talk 790. Rob Ford with the call there on Astros Radio. And you're right, AJ. I don't know how you come back from losing this game. You have all the emotions of beating Justin Verlander, of doing something against him that really no one has done all season long, that no one's done in a long time. Justin Verlander in this game gave up a home run to J.P. Crawford. First off, it was the first home run that Verlander gave up in over 60 innings since July J.P. Crawford only had six home runs all season, and he had, like, two hits in his last 30-something at bats, and he homers off of Justin Verlander. And remember, J.P. Crawford's one of the guys who was very vocal about his disdain for the Astros. There's been a lot of that out of Seattle, uh, you know, about, you know, the Astros being cheaters Mm -hmm. and making T-shirts with trash cans on them. Uh, And J.P. Crawford kind of leading the charge on the Astros' hate. So for him to have that moment... You're thinking, man, they've got all the momentum in the world right now, and it just feels like their their balloon was just burst yeah, a with lot, that swing of the bat. A lot of second-guessing. Why did Scott Service bring in Robbie Ray, a starter who made an extremely rare relief appearance, but he wanted the lefty-on-lefty matchup? And Jordan Alvarez, you want to talk about historic. His walk-off home run was the first ever postseason walk-off home run when the team was trailing by multiple runs. In the history of baseball. In the history of baseball. That's wild. It's the only one down to the final out trailing by multiple runs. The only other walk-off home run where a team was down to their final out was Kirk Gibson in the 1988 World Series. <laughs> but they, they, were, they weren't down by multiple runs. Right. And the only other walk-off home runs when trailing in postseason history Joe Carter in the 93 World Series, and Lenny Dykstra, Game 3 of the NLCS in 1986. But Jordan Alvarez. Amazing. The first ever when his team is down multiple runs down to their last out. Yeah. Absolutely historic. And 
one of the hardest hit balls tracked by Stat Track, uh, Statcast, and that this is regular season and playoffs. What was the exit velo? One hundred and sixteen point seven. That's the fourth hardest hit ball in the Statcast era. Oh wow! And it, well, I'll tell you this: everybody in the stadium knew the instant it was hit. Hardest hit walk. Excuse me. Hardest hit walk off home run. Okay, because clarify that when they showed the replay. It, like the crack of the bat, it, when you hear it, to see the Astros jumping out of the dugout, they knew, and to see the look in Scott Service's eyes just, go, like, go damn. AJ, when I saw this ball get hit, I honestly thought it was the hardest ball I've ever seen get hit. And I watched the Yankees every game, so watching Giancarlo Stanton hit his uh, shots, which he has the hardest, two hardest walk-off home runs uh, ever, 118 miles per hour in September of this year and 117.9 miles per hour in June of 2018. But Jordan Alvarez's shot yesterday was one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen, and I was like, this is such a knockout blow that I don't know. I I think this is Astros in three now. I really do. It feels like they're – I mean, this just totally deflates the Mariners, who came in with so much momentum – off that the wild card series and now like it, the comeback like the, winning the way that they won mm-hmm. made it feel like man they they're probably thinking we're a team of destiny yeah that doesn't happen yeah, they came anybody. back from the eight one deficit to the to the Blue Jays and then they go on and they tag Verlander for the runs that they did they had to have felt like they were uh, the team of destiny so those were two aces that had bad performances one ace that had a good performance is the Yankees Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole goes out against the Guardians and delivers six and a third innings of one-run baseball. He gave up the one run on a solo home run, came in the uh, third inning against Stephen Kwan, and home runs have they've been the problem for, for Garrett Cole, but he strikes out eight, and the Yankees beat the Guardians 4-1. Yeah, hits his over six and a half strikeouts, which was the most bet prop in that game, getting eight strikeouts. Uh, this was this is what the the Yankees were hoping for from Garrett Cole. This is all the questions about would Garrett Cole, good Garrett Cole, show up in this big moment, and he certainly did. Yeah, and and the Yankees remember all the talk was about Cal Quantrill and how the Guardians were sixteen and one in Quantrill's last seventeen starts. But what did I say yesterday on the show? I said. Most of those starts came at home. And if you looked at his home road splits, he's undefeated at home, but he's not that great on the road. And I said, I like the Yankees. The price was a little high for me, but if you went with the less juice and played the run line, you cashed as the Yankees win four to one. And now you got to like the Yankees for the remainder of this series. It's very weird the way that the schedule plays out because there's an off day today then they play on Thursday. Then there's another off day between games two and three. And so there's potential that should this thing get back to, you know, uh, even forget about game five, Garrett Cole could be back for game four, the way that the schedule lines up. But the Yankees will have Nestor Cortez on uh, Thursday's game against Shane Bieber at Yankees. Yeah, Stadium. and and Quantrill, who only threw 84 pitches, he'll be back on maybe even short rest. If they need him, yeah. Uh, given how well he's pitched. And, and I mean, listen, you're down 1-0. You, you're already starting to think we're going to need him. Uh, but it, it's funny because it felt, to me anyway, it felt like Quantrill, through the first few innings, 
was matching Garrett Cole pitch for pitch. Mm-hmm. Felt like he was just as good, and this was going to be one of those duels. And the well, Yankees- Josh Donaldson also had a uh, easy double that he thought was a home run and gets tagged out at first. I don't know if you if you saw this play. It was so, I, it was I saw so the bizarre. replay. I didn't know he got tagged out. I saw him round in the corner slapping hands. Yeah, he slapped his first base coach a high five and then started trotting. And then they, the the Guardians threw the ball in and they tagged him out. You know, in between first and second, there's got to be some onus on the uh, the first base coach for high five. Absolutely, the first <laughs> base coach has to be pointing, has to be yelling at him that it's not a home run. But it was one of those rare instances where obviously they reviewed the play and they determined that no fan touched it and it actually hit the top of the wall and bounced back into the field of play as opposed to hitting the top of the wall and bouncing into the short porch. So that was a a, a crazy situation there that could have actually led to another run for the Yankees. What an odd deal. Uh, And finally, in the National League, the battle of National League West teams, Went about how we thought it would go. We talked yesterday about the Dodgers uh, hitting the ball early and often, putting mm-hmm. up runs early on Mike Clevenger, who they've owned this year. They get four off of him, four earned runs in two and two-thirds innings, uh, put up five runs in the first three innings, and that was all they needed. Um, and give you kudos to you, AJ. You said Dodgers' first five-team total going against Clevenger. I said Dodgers first five, just going laying the half a run. Either way you slice it, both come away winners. They did exactly what we thought they were going to do against Clevenger, which is tag him five runs on six hits in just two and two-thirds innings. Julio Urias gave up three runs in five innings of work, and the Dodgers bullpen did the rest. 5-3 was the final. And uh, L.A., my pick was L.A. to win this in three. So uh, they own they own the Padres. Yeah, it's, it's sure feeling like that's the way it's headed. I mean, it's just one game, obviously. But for the, the fact that the Padres are the only team mm-hmm. who had played three games coming into this, you know, they're scratching and clawing at this point. And the Dodgers, the, the team that's got probably the uh, the most firepower is just waiting for you to send a pitcher who's not 100% out there and just tee off on him. So, yeah, I, I tend to lean that the, the Dodgers get this done pretty quickly as well. We'll get to today's games coming up a little bit later on in the look ahead. But so far, uh, three home teams winning and the only road team winning, the Phillies, in the early game. It's Wednesday midweek. We like to bring in R.J. Bell to talk some football. Uh, contractually some obligated. Contractually obligated. It is uh, mandatory. <laughs> but, uh, R.J., I want to talk to you. One of the big moves this offseason was the Carolina Panthers, quote fingers, upgrading at quarterback well, with they, Baker I Mayfield. They are upgrading, though, aren't they? I, I certainly thought so. But Baker Mayfield's off to a historically bad start, and, and now he's He has hurt. the lowest QBR through five games. The second lowest, excuse me, through five games since QBR became a recorded stat. And who had the worst? Jamarcus Russell in 2008. That ain't great company. So my understanding is Mayfield's been drinking a lot of purple haze. It could be. It could be. But one in four, he's a 55% passer, which might have been good in 1968. All but right. in, in Snarky doesn't listen. Poor Baker, right? His commercials have dried up. Here's what I'll say. I am surprised, and here's why. Last year he was injured, Baker, severely. And let's be candid. He was gutsy to play. And I know we don't like saying, oh, he's gutsy because Baker's got – he kind of seems like he's a, like a frat kid or something in a way. And we don't like those typically, right? He seems like he might have a, a yacht 
even when he was growing up, right? He's like family. But he was t- he played where I think most quarterbacks, I, I think at least half the quarterbacks in the league wouldn't be playing. And you know what? He shouldn't have played because you, all year, and AJ, we were together that year, last year, people were saying, oh, we'll remember that Baker was hurt. You know, we'll remember, and we'll all no, no one remembers. No, no, they just say he sucked. They look at the stats and go, "Yep, sucked yeah, then." Yeah, yeah. So he shouldn't have played. Society is making the next Baker not play. So let's start there. So my question is: This is a guy who no one in the world would have been shocked had he been given a contract extension and for last year, right? And now he may be done as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like that's a real, that's a realistic chance. I'd be shocked. Uh, I I think it's unlikely he has a starting job handed to him next year. Cause why would you, who gets a third chance? Carson Wentz, you would say, but that is a rare case. And how's that going? Now let's back up a minute though. Kyler Murray, after three years said, I want a contract right now. And, And they, he wasn't, who knows what would have happened but the Cardinals capitulated. That was after three years. If Baker had done that, he would probably have been signed. After th- the third year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they were doing— You're right. So in a way, you know, there's a concept called moral hazard. It's if you can do wrong and be benefit from it, people will continue to do wrong. So like in the banking crisis, they were afraid of moral hazard because the banks went wild with risk— and they got killed, but they didn't get killed, did they? We got the, the little man got killed. Well, you think the next banker is going to be apprehensive or aggressive with risk? Moral hazard. Well, I think what we're seeing is the squeaky wheel gets oiled. And when there's capitulation to that, the, the good players that are team guys seem to suffer for it. And I'm not saying Baker's a team guy. I'm saying he didn't insist on a contract. Right. All right. Well, why is this happening? Is there lingering injuries? I don't think so. No one's saying that. So He's about to be on his sixth head coach you know, in so his career. And I think it's more important than that. It's the fact that he came so late in the process. Right? When did he, he – training camp had started. Yeah. You can't pick – it's hard to pick up a, a new playbook, a new system. And like you said, it's the sixth in whatever years – I don't know if something's changed because people who watch the X's and O's say the mechanics are worse. And maybe he's the kind of guy when he's a front runner, when things are going good. I don't know. Well, and remember, I I thought that this wouldn't be great for him because he, in last year, like you said, injury, you could always say he was injured. Big time injuries. But he was surrounded by a great cast last year. And now he went to a place where... His offensive line wouldn't be as good. His receivers wouldn't be as good. It was a. But the receivers, once OBJ left. They weren't really deep at receiver like right. the Browns last year. And I'm not saying they were deficient. They had a great running game. You know, I just meant what Baker had in his first four years, as far as the team around him, was taking a severe downgrade going to Carolina. But when you have Freddie Kitchens, you know, I mean, like to some degree, those years in Cleveland were not sure. uh, the, the the best breeding ground for greatness at quarterback. Yeah. But Jacoby Brissett, though not great lately, has exceeded expectations. Yes. So my thought would be this. One, if I blame Sam Darnold. <laughs> and here's how and why. is If Darnold was good enough to fight off Baker for at least four or five games, Darnold would have played these games. Baker would have been learning the playbook. And then the first real exposure would have been week five, let's say. What's wild is how bad did Sam Darnold have to be? He got to beat out in like 10 days. To this guy who's like the worst quarterback in the league right now. We were on Fox Radio 
And the, the, you know, the news guy said, and after a heated battle, Baker Mayfield has been declared the winner. It's like it's been like seven days that they've been battling. <laughs> I think he won the battle when he showed up and his name wasn't Sam Darnold. Well, we're going to see. Well, I guess we got, uh, is it PJ? PJ Walker. Texas yeah. Ranger. Walker, yeah. Texas Ranger. And then we've got, and, and then probably the return of Sam Darnold. Yeah, I point. think we might see Matt Corral before we see Matt Sam Matt Corral's Darnold. done for the season. I didn't oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people believe it would have been, and, and that's that, to finish this topic, that's that lottery ticket concept that Davis Mills represented, it would be nice in a lost season sure. to see what you got with Crow, but you can't with the injury. Yeah, and Darnold's not close to coming back either. So. Is that right? I heard he was bored. Like, they were talking about him maybe playing last week. Well, doesn't he have the same injury now that Baker does? So he should yeah. theoretically well, beat Baker back, you forget right? forget something, though. A week ago, Matt Rule said that his return from IR was not close. All right. I mean, he had... The kissing disease. Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, that lingers. He did have mono. That, that could... mono lingers. Yeah, you're right. I, you if know, you have mono in 1987 and then you sprain your ankle in 2021, you, know, you on, feel it. Honestly, there were guys on ESPN looking in the camera saying, we can't forget he's still recovering. from." It was the next year they were saying. Oh, it's Lord. year three. They were still recovering from mono in year two. So it's like uh, it's it's like Burrow still recovering from the appendectomy. Well, that actually makes sense because he missed like time. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's that's like a couple months. This is not yeah. not a year. Plus, there's a thing, and you probably AJ, you've had multiple surgeries. There's a lot of people who believe the first time you get a major surgery, and I'm not saying Burrow's first time because he had his knee. Like that, it physically affects you in a way that like a player's never like horse. The horses they say if a certain thing happens, they're never the same. There's theories out there that, and maybe it's wise tales that you get cut on. They don't want cut on well, these athletes. And a lot of it is not just physically, mentally. You don't trust your body to do the things that you've grown up with them doing. Have, have either of you guys had your appendix out? I have. Okay, so how old were you? Uh, I was like 13 or 14. Okay, so you you know young and healthy. I'm guessing you didn't feel 100% for what a couple weeks at least. A couple right? weeks, yeah. So if he's less than 100% for a couple weeks, that's a major time miss. Sure. And remember, Burrow last year, first half of the year, coming back from that major knee injury, he wasn't that good. Second half, he started coming on. A lot of people speculated his knee injury finally recovered. Maybe he's a slow recoverer, but I don't know. I'm not optimistic about Burrow just because Cincinnati, when you fix that O-line in theory, but it's no good, and it feels like the league has figured him out. If there's one thing that we see every year, the Wildcats an example, Someone does something different, they spend the whole offseason trying to figure it out. And Burrow is known for being like such a fast processor like in a quick hitter. It's not like he's got these world-class physical tools. I agree. So once people do figure him out. Well, I, I, I don't know about I think the figuring out, though, was the too high with him. Because remember in the playoffs, I had the stat when he's against the Blitz, he was the best in the league or second. He was right there. Non-Blitz, he wasn't. Remember, what was the impressive wins last year before the playoffs? It was against Baltimore. Those were the two. And they were blitzing All the at time. that time yeah. with Wink Martindale like crazy. And in general, teams just aren't blitzing them now. Yep. And thus, it's problematic. And they're running mixing. In for, you know, All the guys are like first and 10. They're running, running, running. People hate that. I think Cincinnati is too predictable. You know, Ben Roethlisberger did throw career high interceptions the year he had his appendix taken out. Yeah, yeah, but he probably still made the playoffs. I'm just saying, appendix is—it's the reason why you're not playing good. By the way, with the Steelers, can we agree to something? Big Ben is last year was better than either of these quarterbacks have been so 100%. far. One hundred percent, yes. And as much as people wanted to say, "Look at his arm," it shows you the danger of armchair scouts. Mm -hmm. They think they under Drew Brees was one of the top quarterbacks his last year. 
but they don't get it. They just want to say his arm's not strong. Jeff George's arm was strong. Uh. <laughs> well, speaking of the Panthers, let me ask you about firing the coach. Matt Rule gets fired. The defensive coordinator gets fired. We often times in sports talk react to the coach being fired or, uh, you know, the interim stepping in and maybe the team gets a morale boost. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of, you know, that the players rally around the interim coach. Do the numbers back that up that the team actually does get a boost by firing the coach? Because the Panthers are massive underdogs this coming week against the Rams. And I I guarantee you there's going to be a, 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 piece of the population that wants to take the double-digit points thinking they're going to get that boost. Which the Rams are a team you don't want to bet on anyway. Like, yeah. So I think there's going to be a, a higher percentage than normal wanting to bet on the Panthers. I will say this, though. The whole you don't want to bet on the Rams, I'm not sure I agree with that in the following way. And I'm not talking about the Carolina game. I'm saying when you got a, a team with – it's a winning team, at least historically, yeah. that is favored by 11, that's a sign they're much better than that. Sure. Now the question is with big favorites typically is how motivated are they? When a team has been struggling, they're going to be motivated. You're right. So in general, if you see a team favored by a lot that struggled recently, you tend to want to bet them because the public probably isn't because they're thinking, I don't want to play the Rams lane double. So, uh, you know, I don't say I like the Rams here, but when we go to Carolina now, here's what you got to know. And this is a, a macro big picture tip. When do you start looking at a trend? Right now, if a database goes back to like we got one database that goes back to '89, if we started in '89, it doesn't mean we chose that. It mm-hmm. means we get, we went from the beginning of the database. But when people have, as we call it, arbitrary endpoints, where it's like they're going to cherry pick after November 11, 2004, you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just know that the trend's going to look better than it would if you said let's just pick a nice. Not random amount of time, but a logical amount of time. Yeah, like I I like to do uh, 2012 because it's 20 years. So the last 10 years. years. Excuse me, 10 years, yes. But but you know something? You locked into that. I don't do math well. You locked into that, though, because 2012 is what you should do always, at least as the tight one. And here's why. The collective bargaining agreement that happened Mm -hmm. the year before, there was a lockout. So you don't don't want that one. But the next year is the modern era, in our opinion. Yeah. And that's a great time to start is 12. And that's what I tend to do. And then when I go back, I try to go. I I look at two views, recent or as far back as I can go. Mm. And for me, recent is 12. Okay, now, we've got the data. Mackenzie Rivers, pregame.com. Listen, you're going to hear about this. It's a winner. And I don't know why. I wish I could understand it because I, my gut feeling is, let me give you the data first. So 2009 onwards, 17 winners, 9 losers. That's pretty good against the spread. Now, you go back to 2000, it's not quite as good, but it's still winning. right? So I think there's something to it. Now, you know what? Every talk show, every outlet to talk sports betting is talking about this bounce after a firing, does it make the line go up a little bit? What ends up, and then all of a sudden, or in this case, the line would go down because Carolina has a bigger dog. Maybe they'd be an 11-point dog, but it ends up being 10 because people betting this trend. And if they hear it in their ear enough, it gets bet. The line opened up nine and a half, and it's 10 and a half now. Okay. If it stays above 10, I would say... The, the, this trend's not affecting things. But if it comes back, you've got to feel pretty strong that it's because of the talk of the bounce back. So I would say you're right. You made a great point. If you can find the opener and it's before the new event happened, like an injury or in this case a firing, well, you know what the line would have been. Yeah. And also in this case, we now know that ba- it, 
when the Panthers game oh, ended, we didn't know Baker was out for, for the foreseeable point. future. We and now they're saying PJ wow. Walker for the next four weeks. So think about how small of an upgrade. Let's assume that that's driven by the, the Baker's absence. Mm-hmm. That line move you it's talked a one about. Point. <laughs> well, it's due. It's a quasi. I mean, ten's a key number, but still, that's t- PJ, the number one pick in the draft, not that long ago. Doing commercials like what seven different commercials, yeah. and now to the almost MVP of the XFL was right. he? Was he the MVP? They didn't have an MVP because oh, okay. of COVID. They didn't finish the they, season. They didn't have enough money to have an MVP. <laughs> they did not. So what I would say is this: If I think the team hates the coach, which they clearly did, you think so? I think I, I think so. the opposite. I, really? I thought the players loved Matt Rule. No, I, things that I was reading, and this was part of so, my handicap. Last so share week. what you. I, I was hear. just reading that that Matt Rule has lost the locker room. Hmm. I, I, you know what's funny? I was under the impression that Matt Rule lost the support of ownership. Well, that too, but I heard I was reading that he lost the locker room. Don't forget, they signed a seven-year deal to Rule. That's so unusual. First time sure. in the NFL, a guy that had spent what one year with the Giants as an assistant, if I recall. I mean, well, one temper doesn't the money isn't as big to him. But you know what? When I knew they they weren't any good as a front office is when they extend when they traded. Oh, I'm having a mental block. The, the Patriots, good corner. They got tr- and now he's playing, I think, with uh, Stephen Gilmore. Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. Gilmore had to hold out with the Patriots. Yep. And Belichick wasn't going to, you know, get held up. And he traded him. And at the time, it was like week five or six. And Carolina started out 3 0, and then they lost like three. So they, they thought they were a playoff team. Yeah. Because Gilmore was a one year rental. How could they thought they were a playoff team? So you know they didn't know what they were doing. So I think Rule just I think he lost the locker room because he was inept, right? You know he wasn't a professional coach. He's a college coach. So I'm not. Sure. I think the player. Here's what I've been taught, and this has been told to me by a couple of different people. These NFL players only care about one thing: their performance. You hear this about Bill Belichick. He was a little nerdy, or well, not little, but he was a nerdy guy with the Giants. Lawrence Taylor would follow him around. Yeah. Because he had so much knowledge mm-hmm. that he, LT, the baddest ass ever, right, in a way, <laughs> on defense. So if Rule is hurting their chance to make money, they want him gone. So to me, I don't, can't imagine they thought Rule was going to help them succeed as NFL players. So I think they're going to be happy he's gone is my guess. What do you guys think? I think that the reason Tepper and what I've heard him talk about is culture, which I think culture is important. But at some point, you've got to have players, and the the Panthers never had players. And I disagree with that. I, they haven't had a quarterback. They haven't had a quarterback, but they've like their their first round picks have flamed out. Like they, who? J. C. Horn has flamed out. Derek Brown has flamed out. No, Horn blew his knee out last year, mm-hmm. right? So how's he? How's that a flame out? Okay, it's a it's a number one pick that hasn't produced yeah, but anything you can't on the field. Injuries. Uh, Brian Burns, who like he had He's a Pro Bowl no, season, and Brian Burns is is like considered a top. Can you look up Burns? No, he was a Pro Bowler last year. I mean, he he was. So, so you bring him up as an example of someone that fell short? Uh, no. I'm bringing him up as the first round picks where they haven't had a ton of home runs, is what I, I guess. Well, Burns would be a home run, though. He's the, he's the closest thing to a home but run. Brown, so. their D tackle's pretty damn good, right? That was the first pick the first year. I, I don't think the draft has been the. I'll tell you this taking Horn, though, over, was it Sertan? Yep. Yeah. That was a mistake. And in, in we were doing a lot of draft stuff that year. The, the market actually likes Sertan a lot better. Mm-hmm. That was them making a statement. And I think they missed and, on that for or sure. Or maybe bad luck with the knee. I, 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 yeah, but there's still Sertan looks like an all like one of the top four yeah. or six in yeah. the league, right? So yeah. And listen, here's the last thing I'll say about this is this: 
They fired the DC. Well, this they didn't. Steve Wilkes did. Steve Wilkes, they fired they, Matt but Rule. But they don't let Steve Wilkes decide that. Steve did they? Wilkes said it was his decision to fire Phil Snow and special teams coach Ed Foley. So Well, he had to get permission from up above. Sure, obviously. but it wasn't like the org it wasn't like the organization fired you know Matt what Rule is? and the DC. They fired Matt Rule. They they named Steve Wilkes interim, and Steve Wilkes' first order of business was to fire two of Matt Rule's assistants that were with him All at right. Temple and Baylor. Illuminati time. You ready? Yeah. Uh, open your minds up here. Okay. They want to tank for a, a top pick is my belief. That's why they fired a DC that was quite good, in my opinion. Now, follow me. Why would they? T- I've never heard of a firing in which someone comes out and takes responsibility who typically wouldn't have responsibility. When has a coach ever said, I'm the an interim coach? He was an, he was an assistant on the team? Yeah. Yep. Steve Wilkes said, so, quote, Two great men, two great coaches. It was my call, my decision. When I just you, felt like I wanted a different approach moving forward, and that was all. Moving forward for the next what, two-thirds of a season? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When you follow the media. AJ does too, very close. When have you ever heard a, an interim coach talk about the, that it was his responsibility for the other coaches that were there or not there moving forward? Ever? Yeah, it's rare. Yeah, okay. It's this, not rare. It's never. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's happening is they want to tank. They told Wilkes, listen, after Carolina or, or the Cardinals, remember, one of the worst years ever, you're not getting any other head job. We're going to put you in here, pay you a lot of money. You take the heat for getting rid of these guys because it's going to hurt us. And it's a way to tank without the team taking responsibility. And you're right. And when you look at the, the, the quarterbacks that are on their roster, Baker Mayfield's done after this year. And clearly, they're not going to have any interest in resigning him. The Sam Darnold project will be done after this year. Ooh. So there's finally a spot for them to say, okay, this is going to be the, the whoever this rookie is. This is your team. They've yeah, got to have that. But there was always that spot because they went and dra- or traded for Sam Darnold. Right. Then they traded for Baker Mayfield. But it can't be the the 12th pick in the draft. They want to go as high. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs now. Tank yeah. and put a figurehead up there where we'll take the heat. You know what will happen? They'll say, Cardinals, look what he did. Look what he did here. Same thing. And you are the first one. You're, it's rare that you throw around the word tank because you, you usually believe that that doesn't happen. Well, let's be clear. I don't think the players won't play hard. They will be conspired against. You think things are wor- stacked. It's like almost like Major League. Yeah. Yeah. When the hot owner is like putting them on the, uh, exactly. they're making them ride a bus. And <laughs> you know what we're gonna have to do? Just win the whole effing thing. That's right. <laughs> all right. What, what, what do you think of that conspiracy theory, Scott? Um, AJ, I got bought in. I am all for uh-huh. conspiracy. Well, but, but my minds are different. Minds are different. Yeah. Can you can you debunk it? Why would they? Why would a first time thing ever happen like that? I can't debunk it. Exactly. All right. We usually give you time for a question for us. Right, on so, these, uh, I, got, well, I got your question. What, what was your? This was about Matt Rule. Okay, that's true. That's how true. does the team do the next? I week? just like the time when the microphone is on. You know, now that I don't have my own show. This isn't a four-hour podcast, RJ. This is a, this is well, our thing. You never know, our <laughs> uh, thing. Yeah. All right. So here's what I'm going to ask you first. Eight. No, actually, I'm going to hold for you. Okay. We're going to go to Scott. Yours is the big one. Scott, let's be candid about the Giants. Sure. Right? It's easy. Here's the thing that I think Fez makes mistakes on, and we'll address it with him tomorrow if he mm-hmm. needs it, is Fez thinks so well directionally. Giants are overrated. That is easy. Everyone knows it. But it doesn't mean the Giants aren't necessarily better than what the market thinks they are. Because you see it all the time. A team's like 4-1, and one, and their lines, uh, it'd be like, it's like they're 2-3 two and two and three or whatever. Now, if we look this week, Mackenzie, what's our latest number on the Giants? Five and a half moved today from four and a half. Ravens now favored by five and a half on the road. 
Okay. So that's on the road in New York. Yes. Okay. Now, does that feel right? So what, let's look at the look. Can you make that a little bigger, bud? Okay. So I don't know what you guys think of all this, but if you look at the summer line, that eh, doesn't matter. The look ahead line was six. So Baltimore by six. The look ahead close was five and a half. So it moved towards the Giants. Then it reopened, world opener at four and a half. And now it's ticked up with Baltimore. Now, let's do the four-point swing because it's home. Let's say this was in Baltimore. We'd be looking at what? Uh, nine and, uh, nine, and, nine half, and a half. Yeah. That's, that's that, a bit much. That's a lot of disrespect. I mean, you really think about it. How many double-digit favorites have there been this year? Not many. And, and to a team, and say what you will about the Giants and who they've played or whatever, this is still a defense that is allowing 18 points per game. And here's my question. This is a good segue. I want you to honestly, mm-hmm. with money on the line kind of honesty, what is their strongest suit? What are they underrated because they're going to be underrated right now in some spots in what areas do you think they are especially soft or have a problem just one of each i think they're soft at wide receiver the playmaker they don't have yeah besides saquon saquon's the, their playmaker is their running back who's fragile yes and he did leave the game last week but then came back but their playmaker is a guy that it's hard to rely on every single yeah. snap you can't go to him every single play here's a quick exercise with any given team, would you rather bet them this week or the whole year? Giants are one of those this week teams you want to bet them. And the reason being, yeah, they're one, Saquon is fragile. And if he goes there, it's trouble. Daniel Jones is fragile. Well, he, I think he's tough, but he runs a lot. So, yeah. right, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and number two, it's a situation where this team's excited right now. And, yeah. and, it, and if they get— if Oh, they, they've, they've grasped the— Attitude of the head coach. Yeah. And, for and certain. So, in general, my thought is the Ravens have had some tough games. They haven't really had gimme games. This feels like a softer game where they can not relax, but not be as fever-focused. Po- and I think that's a mistake against this Giants team. Okay. So He's going to come in defensively focused and has the playmakers to force Lamar Jackson into making some decisions. On defense. Yeah, they have playmakers at the pass rush to force yes. Lamar to either step up and take off or to get rid of the football. Okay, now what's the strength? We talked about the weakness, playmakers. What's the strength of the Giants? Their defense. Just generally their defense. Yeah, I think their defense is playing tremendous football, and and, and they're playing smart football. There was a video last week that showed uh, how they basically picked up on an Aaron Rodgers tell. Like when he tapped his right shoulder – they knew the pass was going to Lazard. And they showed the defense signal to each other Hmm. that the pass was going to the left, and that's why the edge rushers on the left side jumped up and they they deflected the pass down. Wink Martindale returning to Baltimore here, too. Ooh, knowing Lamar's strengths and weaknesses. And and, and here's the catch-22, though. Lamar historically has struggled against the Blitz He's done well this year this against year's the Blitz. So well. now the question is, is that an aberration? Mm. Uh, I don't know. But let's just say this. When it comes to blitzing a running quarterback, it's about lane discipline, as everyone says. I'm just regurgitating here. And Wink Martindale, I think, is a, is a very mature blitz guy. So I kind of like the Giants here a little bit. I kind of do a little. I'm with it. All right. But you're always with it. 
I just identify spots where people are are have, very biased have against you found, certain teams. Have you found a magical spot where this season you were like, I'm fading the Giants? But let's be honest, it's smart that he hasn't. There's only been one battle every week. So yeah. would, it, would it be virtuous? Well, not every week. Yeah. Would it be virtuous if he had picked against him in spots and lost? Touche. All right. Now here's the thing, AJ. I, this has gone longer than usual, so I'm going to skip your question of the okay. week, and I'm going to ask a question of the audience. Okay. We had an incident today. Everyone was there. AJ was there later. We had a, a professional dinner, a business dinner before the pod. We had Sleepy in from the East Coast. He flew in, and AJ said, nah, I got a softball game. What, was it a softball game? It was not a softball well, game. Uh, that, that's usually my excuse. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. All right, so we said, no problem. And remember what I said to him. I said, stop by if you get there before the start time of the pod. And um, you can have dessert with us. I even said that, right? So we are finishing up the meal. We're there. For, well, we've been there about an hour. About yeah. an hour, right? An hour Good in. Of time. An hour, I mean, every story's been told. The funny jokes. All have been the food's said. gone. We're on the second even level. Even McKenzie's joke. massive plate. Gone. Well, he had two massive plates. Yeah, gone. Look, he, he knows he's chagrined too. Like, like he knows like I can fight, but let's just make, make it go quicker. Is what he's thinking. <laughs> okay, he shows up. Oh, it's AJ. Maybe he'll walk us over to the pod. We're thinking. He sits down. Says menu. And he goes to. You were still eating your cheeseburger salad. I was picking at the lettuce because I'm delicate. <laughs> so then, so then he goes, and I'm like, "What's he ordering? Does he need that menu for dessert?" Yeah, it's only a small pie selection. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> that's good. He goes. Then he starts asking questions about the entrees. I'm that's like, "What's true?" That's, I go, that's... "What's going?" And then you order what? A What's turkey the club. Soup of the day. A, yes. a, a, a turkey club. Okay. Now, that's an elaborate sandwich to make. If you would have gotten soup or something, we could almost understand it. So then, like, 10 minutes later, the food comes. And we're, like, kind of hitting our hands, like, saying, what's, you know. And then he says, hey, hey, make, no, I'm going to get dessert, is what he says. And then he eats the meal, and he's talking the whole time, so it's taking him longer to eat. Like, he missed out on the conversation. Then he orders dessert. And it was, like, a 1,000 calories. And here's the key. Here's the key. I, he knew I was paying. So I he, didn't know he you were shows paying. up. <laughs> so listen, we'll let you have a rebuttal, but I feel like we owe the audience the chance of SOVAM to give their feedback on this. Do you agree with that? The audience should have a sure. say. And if they vote against you, what are you going to do? I'll apologize to you. I like it. I like it by buying me a meal. Okay. All right. I like Il Molino. <laughs> oh, no, you, it's, it's got to be equal, uh, equal property. I will say that I didn't want to just eat pie because it would have. I haven't had any food today. Oh, so if all I ate was pie, I would have felt terrible. With this busy day going from softball game to softball. No, game. I I typically eat one meal a day, and it's well, it's you're, dinner. You're delicate. All right, now here's picking wait. at my lettuce. <laughs> now here's what I think the uh, so your Twitter account is AJ is the real. All right, now what I envision it being is this: if you show up. An hour late to 40 a, minutes late. Scott, I'll let you decide. 50. It, it wasn't 40. It wasn't 40. It, wasn't 40. it, wasn't 40. it, it was 50. Okay. Okay. Well, it was more. Not I was 20 it was, minutes it was, late. It was over if, an hour. If, you it was over an hour. if you guys started at 7 when, uh -huh. that, when it was scheduled yeah, yeah, to start, yeah. then I got there at 740. There's no way. No, dude, there's no I way. I think you got that wrong, honestly. But we'll just say 50. We'll yeah. say 50. 50 minutes late, all right? Is should you, if you show up 50 minutes late for business dinner, should you, uh, and maybe we should say as it's finishing, but we'll figure it out. We'll let you decide, but be fair. Okay. All right? Should you, A, and it'll be some variation of chat, uh, chat with everyone with a smile 
and not order anything. Now, they don't give you on Twitter a long thing, but you can say, yeah. you know, uh, be, be nice and wait for them to finish, something like that, right? Number two would be order dessert. So with you, everyone. With, that's good. With everyone. Now, a reminder, you order dessert separate from everyone. You, like, sneak attack dessert, so your dessert just showed up well, at when, the table. Here's the thing. When you pay, you do what you want. Okay. Now... <laughs> Wait, did I order before or after? I think you, you got up to, you, to walk sleepy uh, out. Yeah, that's true. And you came and sat down, and then the waitress just bought pie. Trying, he's trying to divert attention right little now? A little okay. bit. Okay. But it was awesome how, like, the waiter just came and gave him pie, yeah. and he didn't know that he ordered it. It was like, <laughs> so, like I'm off, man. How are we supposed to know when the proper time to order dessert it was is? Like, it was like when they give you the, like, the free birthday like, pie, exactly. like dessert. The waiter just came over. No one had ordered any dessert, no. and he just presents RJ with a pie. Well, it was a cute, pretty woman. Too. It's, it's like, it's it's like here you go, sir, with your pie. Yeah. I li- listen, I mean, being RJ Bell in Vegas does have its advantages. I mean, you know, there's disadvantages, <laughs> too. Now, the third thing would be, so eat, order dessert with everyone, kind of. Mm-hmm. Or three, order a separate meal. Make everyone wait till you eat. It's prepared and eat it. Then order dessert. <laughs> it's absurd. It should it's also a or be, B is the only answer you can give. <laughs> I was not the last person eating at the table. Someone was trying to be polite, I'm sure, or it was Mackenzie eating like the third meal. <laughs> and that we got to address real quick. I mean, he had. I bet he ate four thousand calories. It's the biggest plate I've ever seen, I, and that was the first of <laughs> yeah, two. It was the biggest. <laughs> but then he complained that his side dish. Was the smaller he had, option. He had three <laughs> pieces of toast, and he's, and he's eating one going, hey, I didn't order this toast. <laughs> I ordered the short stack of pancakes. And then bring out a whole plate of pancakes. He go, and then he goes, yeah, he doesn't even look embarrassed. He just starts eating those. McK- is that true, Mackenzie? I cannot deny it. <laughs> All right. So we'll talk next. Or oh, you guys can talk tomorrow. So go to AJ's Twitter. At AJ is the real. You'll get that up even before. The, when this show's out, it'll, it'll be, be up. up. I can't wait. I bet it's. I bet the third option gets less than fifteen percent because there's going to be some contrarians and AJ fans. <laughs> well, these people won't know the entire story if, if it'll be up. Well, yeah, that's. Well, who, they'll have to listen. Okay. To oh, the that's story. true. Okay. You don't think any of your fans listen to this? They do, but I'm. I'm saying there will be some votes. Oh, from I got a good idea. Are, there'll be some idea. blind votes. How about clipping this out? Send that tweet first. Just the part about your your. Um, Faux pas, and then you can have the uh, the what do you call it the poll after. And RJ did say, AJ, you're usually very polite. No, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I, go, I wanted to know what he was thinking. Like, imagine if someone sat down and like farted real loud and just laughed. You wouldn't be mad. It's not my, to that level. You'd be mad, but you'd say, "What, what are you thinking?" You know, like you'd want to know in a weird way, right? Is there a new custom I forgot about? But you got your hey, all this talk, you got the meal. You're full right now. Your belly's full I'm right full. now. All right. I think we did a good yeah. We'll talk to you I'll next le- week. I'll leave it to you guys. Thank you. You, well, need, you need me in tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. We'll need you in next Wednesday morning. So that's been a that's a whole week. It's you get one you get full rest. <laughs> well, I haven't eaten as much as you, thanks. Get <laughs> The NHL season uh, technically got underway over the weekend in Prague, but the North American opener was last night. The Rangers hosting the Lightning. Rangers win 3-1. The pick that we gave out on SOBAM yesterday was the under 1.5 in the first period. 
and it did go under. It was a 0-0 score after one. The game goes under. It was 5.5, and and it goes under with a 3-1 final. Andre Vasilevsky for the Lightning made 36 saves on 39 shots, and Igor Shesterkin, 25 saves on 26 shots. Rangers win 3-1. And in the Western Conference, the Golden Knights, Vegas gets a 4-3 lead. Mark Stone puts a goal in with 26 seconds left in regulation to break the tie. So Vegas starts off the season with two points. New play, as and the new, Canadians say. New head coach Bruce Cassidy getting his first victory uh, as the uh, head man there for the Golden Knights. So, yeah. Good, good start for Vegas with a 4-3 win over the Kings. We have more teams getting their seasons underway tonight. Plus, we have a college football game, and we'll set the stage for Major League Baseball as well. Let's get to the look ahead. Here's your schedule for tonight's hockey action. The Blue Jackets are at the Hurricanes. Carolina minus 250 favorites over Columbus. Total of six. Maple Leafs are at the Canadiens. Toronto minus 267 with a total of six and a half. The Bruins visit the Capitals. Washington minus 155, total of six. Blackhawks are at the Avalanche. Colorado minus 430 on a night where they will will raise the banners, AJ. Total of six and a half. Kraken visit the Ducks. Anaheim minus 125, total of five and a half. And the Canucks are at the Oilers. Edmonton minus 195 with a total of six and a half. And we do have college football tonight. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on the Marshall Thundering Herd. The Herd, 10.5-point favorites. And I think, I don't know if they're still thought to Marshall beat Notre Dame, so they've got to be good. (laughs) But if you look at what Marshall's done this season, outside of that game, it's not all that good. Uh, they lost to Bowling Green, which seems very difficult at this point. Uh, the, a loss to Troy and, re- quite frankly, an unimpressive performance against Gardner-Webb. And now you get this Louisiana team who there's not a lot of respect for them in the market. They haven't got a lot of wins, but mo- uh, their losses are close. All three losses by a combined 19 points. So mm-hmm. now we're getting 10 and a half points with the Cajuns here on the road. I like Louisiana to keep this close. So Louisiana plus 10 and a half at Marshall will be a best bet for me. Any feel for the total? I would say this game plays in the low 40s. I, I think if, if and I was thinking about it because Marshall likes to run the football, no doubt. So I was thinking that this was going to be more of a low scoring game, just 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 ball control, and and maybe that's the angle here, taking Louisiana in the in a lower scoring game. Just feels like ten and a half is just an, an outrageous number for for a Marshall team that's not really running away from anybody. So they're not running away from anybody who plays at the FBS level. <laughs> let's say that. All right, let's set the stage for Major League Baseball. The National League Division Series will continue here on Wednesday. Uh, just that series, that's it. The ALC, ALDSs are both off. Built-in off days, they will continue on Thursday. So you got Phillies-Braves Game 2 from Atlanta and Padres-Dodgers Game 2 from L.A. In the first game, A.J., the Braves are a minus-135 favorite over the Phillies. Zach Wheeler against Kyle Wright, total of 7, and I'm on the Phillies. There's, There's just so much mojo right now. Momentum. With this Phillies team. Uh, you know, they give Rob Thompson the, the seal of approval. 
He was the interim manager ever since they fired Joe Girardi earlier in the season, and they just gave him a two-year deal, so he's their interim tags removed. He's their guy. They're 3-0 so far in this postseason. Their lineup top to bottom has no weaknesses in it, especially when Castellanos is hitting like he's been hitting. And Zach Wheeler, you're giving me this guy as an underdog. He can go out there and throw seven shutout innings in in the, the wild card game against the Cardinals. He threw six and a third, two-hit ball. He didn't allow a single run. Two hits. Two hits. Let me just lay this out for you. Zach Wheeler, uh, you know, spent some time on the IL. He was hurt. He came back from the IL on September 21st. Since he returned from the IL, he has made four starts, including the wild card start. In those four starts combined, he has allowed just one run. In those four starts combined, he has thrown... 11 and one-thirds innings, he has allowed 11 hits. He has only walked two batters, and he has struck out 16. Zach Wheeler is locked in. I get him at plus money, even if it's small. Plus 110, plus 105, whatever. Thank you. And let me tell you something. This is going to be a, what, what, what time does this game start? Four... 4.07 Eastern time, Four, well, 4.35, you know what happens during a game that starts at that time, AJ? I, I don't. So the sun goes down. The sun goes down. It gets, it, that, it, there's a chill in the air. That's not what I'm talking oh. about. But yes, that happens too. Not really in Atlanta. Shadows become a factor. And if shadows become a factor where the pitcher's in the sun, but the batter's in the shade, or the, the pitcher's in the shade, but the batter's in the sun, advantage goes to the pitcher. So, give me the Phillies. Give me the better pitcher in Zach Wheeler. And no, Kyle Wright's great. Kyle Wright's had a, he's 21-5. and five. Dude's had a phenomenal season. But I'm back in Zach Wheeler and this Phillies offense. Last time the Phillies faced uh, Kyle Wright, they got two runs off of him in five and a third. That might be enough to win this game. Yeah. One other game in the National League to, tonight: uh, the Dodgers minus one eighty, minus or excuse me, plus one sixty six coming back on the Padres. It looks like from the opener, at least, there's been some Padres money coming in. What what do you make of this? Maybe you Darvish pitching well against the Mets, and maybe Darvish just against the the Dodgers in general. Um, I mean, the Dodgers, are, these two teams are so familiar with each other. So it's not like no one's, it's not like you're going to catch anybody by surprise. Darvish has faced the Dodgers four times this year. He's thrown 25 innings. He's allowed seven runs. Uh, so it's not like he's been dominant. It's also like he's not, he hasn't been rocked that much. Am I crazy for liking the under here? Even a game that we saw yesterday between Urias and a guy like Clevenger that we thought Clevenger was going to get rocked, and he did. Clevenger gave up five runs, but that game was only only featured eight runs being scored. We got a total here of seven and a half with Darvish and Kershaw. A am I crazy to say that this game lands at seven at the most? You're ballsy at a minimum because it feels like any Dodgers game, my initial thought is I, I don't want to bet the under. The Dodgers bat, because it felt, I mean, after the first three innings, the Dodgers bats slowed down yeah. a little bit. 
I don't know if that stays the case all all series. It feels like, especially because of the start that they had, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, these guys are going to just rake all series. Of course, it did slow down, but yeah, I, I but did, I'm I, terrified I, to get in the way of the Dodgers' offense. Do you think that there's, especially given you Darvish's very hot and cold track record in playoff baseball? Well, can't you say the same thing about Clayton Kershaw? Yes, it wasn't you- until 2020 where Kershaw, you know, exercised the demons. Prior to 2020, Kershaw was horrible in the postseason. I mean, he goes out there in 2020 and and is, goes four and one with a 2.93 ERA and a .91 WHIP, and finally, you know, got over the hump of uh, uh, of being a bad postseason performer. So, is he over that now? Is is Kershaw that is that who he is? I feel like if both pitchers are just can't do what they're capable of doing, this game should go under. Maybe a first five under. Yeah, like I said, you're ballsier than I am. <laughs> That's been said. <laughs> uh, so that poll will be uh, up on AJ's Twitter account, at AJ is the real. So listeners of this podcast, be sure to go to AJ's Twitter account. Vote on that. And if you are a listener of this podcast, AJ, we're giving you great deals. 20% off for our listeners for any package on pregame.com. What could they get on pregame, AJ? You could get a season-long package. You could get a weekender package. You can get a, a, a one-time best bet if that's what you want. But when you're getting 20% off, might as well go big. Take advantage of the deal. Pregame.com. You use the promo code SOVAM20. And it makes sense because we're straight out of Vegas AM, and it's the 20%. So SOVAM20 gets you 20% off at pregame.com. If you are listening to Straight Out of Vegas AM on RJ Bell's Dream Preview Podcast feed, make sure you subscribe to the separate Straight Out of Vegas AM podcast feed. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas AM wherever you get your podcasts from. What's your, you use all the apps, right? I use all the apps. Yeah, I use Apple Podcasts mostly. I use Apple. I use Spotify. Yeah. I have iHeart. I got Stitcher. I got, I got every single app you can possibly get. It's on my phone, on my iPad, on my computer. So search Straight Out of Vegas AM. Make sure you subscribe to the separate feed and uh, leave a little rating and review because we love to hear it from our audience. He's AJ Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg for RJ Bell, Mackenzie Rivers. We are Straight Out of Vegas. Yes, AM.